Well, good morning again. It is good to see everyone here. Happy Father's Day again, if no one has told you that. Uh, Happy Father's Day. On Father's Day and Mother's Day, I always like to look at some aspect from the Bible about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a father, and this morning is no different. This morning we'll be thinking a little bit about spiritual fatherhood and what that looks like. We see that example for us set in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 in the life of Paul. And so if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we will look at verses 14 through 16. 1 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 14, and the word of the Lord says this. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy. And so in this passage, we see really Paul speaking of his spiritual fatherhood. He had taken this church under their wing. And we see really three examples of what it means to be a spiritual father. There's much overlap with physical fathers. You'll see that through the passage. But we really see here that Spiritual fathers are committed to their children. They're faithful, in other words. They set the example for their children, and they admonish their children. Those are three things that Paul says here in this passage. And that first thing, that they're committed, we see this phrase in verse 15, that you do not have many fathers. There are lots of guides, but not many fathers. We think about the world we live in right now. We can get just about any kind of information we could want or need. All you have to do is search the internet, uh, watch a YouTube video. You can learn how to change the oil in your car, how to do finances, how to change your career path. Lots of things, lots of information, lots of guides available to us everywhere. But there are not many fathers. There's a difference between a guide and a father, right? It's not just giving of advice and teaching us what we need to know. But that distinction is that the father is there for you. Right? They're committed to you. They don't just teach you and tell you the things you need to know. They are committed to you as their child. That's what God created fathers to be. Other roles do this as well. Other roles show this commitment, right? Both the father and the mother are committed to their children in God's plan. That's how he created it to be. Uh, husbands are committed to their wives. We see in other relationships uh, pastors and churches and other elements of commitment, but today's Father's Day, so we're talking about fathers being committed 
And God created physical dads to be created or to be committed to their children and to look out for the good of their kids. We see the same thing with spiritual dads, right? You can be a spiritual dad to someone who is your child. You can be a spiritual dad to someone who's not your child, just someone you know, someone else in the church. But we all need that. We all need someone who's that spiritual father to us, who's committed to us, who sticks with us through thick and thin, who keeps us focused on the way we need to go, right? God has built this into life as how we grow. And so guides are people that, if you think about it, we get to choose them, right? We get to choose whether we listen to their information, whether we do what they say, whether we think they're right or not. But the spiritual father is someone who chooses us in another sense, who's committed to us, right? They are, no matter the choices we make, going to stay committed, stay faithful to see it through, to see our good. And so you can have countless guides, but there's not many fathers. And we instinctively know this, right? When you think about your life and where you've been, you can think about how many figures like this have been in your life. How many of these good role models of men have played this significant role in your life? Hopefully there's at least one you can think of, but probably not more than a handful, right, that would have taken this interest in your life, who have been there with you through several events, right? There just aren't a lot, and that's partly by design because we don't have that capacity in a certain sense, but, but we need that. We need that father in our lives. We know just from studies, you can look at studies that come out that having a physical father is important. There are studies that have come out through the years that talk about the importance and the benefits of having a, a mother and a father who stay married and how that sets up the child in so many ways, whether that's financially, grades, mental health, in just about every area, right? Statistically, that's better for the child. It's statistically better even than, uh, say, one who's separated and then remarried. To, to have that initial biological father and mother is incrementally better. And then having a two-parent home is then still better, right, than having a single parent. Statistically, we could look at just studies that say that. And we see that God has set it up this way for us to need fathers, the goodness of of being a father and being committed in this way. It pays dividends to the family, to creation, to how God has set up the world. Well, having a spiritual father is very similar, right? Paul was this father. We see the verse after in verse 17, he talks about being a father to Timothy. We see that elsewhere. We see in this passage, he was a father to the church. And really, that's what these verses are about, this idea of spiritual fatherhood and how we need it. So just like we need a physical father to be alive, God uses spiritual fathers to not just bring new life, but to bring growth in our lives as well and help us grow and mature as Christians. And so we know this new life is from, not from an earthly father, but from our Heavenly Father, right? He's the one who saves us. He's the one who 
gives us life that knits us together in our mother's womb, that sent Jesus to die on the cross and save us from our sins so that we could be born again, right? He is our heavenly father, and we must have him, and we must have his grace and forgiveness through the cross if we are going to have life and growth. But we read in the Bible, we read that God often uses people to bring about this growth, to bring about this new life, right? You hear the gospel, the good news from someone, or you read it from someone who's written about it, right? He works through people, and similarly, he works through people not just to give us the new life, but to help us grow, and that's the role that we get to play as individuals, but especially as fathers or spiritual fathers. And so Paul played that role, right? He told them the gospel. He told them that they were destined for hell and that they needed to be saved. They needed to turn from their sin and turn to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And they believed that message. He was the spiritual father to them, not just because he told them that, but because he he then was committed to them after that. He didn't just see them born as a spiritual infant and then leave them there. No, he kept being committed to them, even though it took them a long time to grow. If you're familiar with this book of 1 Corinthians, he was committed to them. And so we see this need for a spiritual father, that a spiritual father is committed. And this is God's ideal. We think of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Deuteronomy 6-7, God writes that you shall teach the commands of God diligently to your children and shall walk, talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Likewise, in the New Testament, Ephesians 6-4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction or some versions say, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so God has set it up in his plan for it to work this way. If we're going to obey God, then we need to be doing this for our physical children, but also for those around us. Even if we don't have a dad who is a spiritual father to us, we still need that. We still need people who will come alongside us and help us grow. And, you know, that's really what dads want, right? They want to prepare their kids for the life that's coming, for what they're going to face, to set them up well. And as we think about setting our kids up well, no matter how hard we try, there are just going to be things that they have to face that we're just not going to prepare them for. There are things, because of how life works, that we can't teach them literally everything they need to know. We just need to teach them how to be able to live and, and react when those things come. And the Bible reminds us that while there are those variables, there are certain things that everyone will face, right? And those are the spiritual things. Everyone faces temptation to sin. Everyone will face death and have to stand before God one day and give an account. And so if we're going to be a spiritual father, we have to remember that these things need to take priorities, that we need to make sure that we are teaching about these things because they will happen. We don't know everything that's going to happen in our child's life, and we pray that God will bless them and uh, stay with them. 
but we know that these things will happen. And so preparing them for these things, making sure we prioritize these means of spiritual growth is, is what a spiritual father does. And so one of the main ways, right, I said there are three ways in this passage that we see spiritual fatherhood. One of the main ways that we see Paul doing this is by setting an example, right? He's committed to them, but he sets them the example. We read this statement in verse 16. I urge you then, be imitators of me. Later in the same book, Paul will say the same thing again. He'll say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's saying, follow my example. And he wasn't afraid to tell people to follow his example. That's just an interesting point, right? Sometimes we might be hesitant to tell other people to imitate us, to do what we do, right? We know that we don't follow Jesus perfectly, that we want people to follow Jesus, not to follow us. But Paul is not shy about saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? First and foremost, if we, if we can't say that, then we just need to think about why not. This is what it means to set the example, is to live a life that shows what other people can and should be doing, right? If we can't say that, why not? Is it because we have some sin issue in our life? Well, then we need to strive to overcome it. And even that in itself is an example, right? Because we all face that sin. How do you then deal with it, overcome it through God's power, through God's grace? That's an example in itself. So you can still say, even in that instance, imitate me as I strive to imitate Christ. Maybe you think there's just nothing spectacular to imitate, right? There's nothing spectacular about my life. Right? I'm not this great hero of the faith. But really, that's, that's what we're meant to imitate. God doesn't call us to be well-known or to be uh, the, the person who's the face of Christianity. Right? He calls us to be faithful where we're at. And that's what we need to pass on, that everyday, day-in, day-out mindset of just focusing on the Lord and being faithful in what we're doing. And that is worth imitating, even though it may not look spectacular. God sees and God knows that that is valuable, and that's what is pleasing to him. And he rewards for that. So one of the roles that God has given men, whether they're physical fathers or spiritual fathers, is just to set that example, to be able to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what leadership is. We read about it in Proverbs this morning where it said the fathers lead through example. We read about it in 1 Peter when Peter's talking about pastors leading in the example. We read about it here as Paul's talking about spiritual fathers. God has just built that into certain roles that certain roles are meant to lead. And part of leading is setting the example, not just saying what to do. Again, not just being a guide and teaching, but showing what to do. Because as a father, or even as a spiritual father who's involved in the lives of others, right, people will see you. They don't just come to you for information. They, they come to you for the example. What does it look like to actually follow God in this situation? And so work to prepare people for those realities. Don't just 
tell them, but set the example for them. And if you're going to set the example, that means you have to be living it yourself, right? So you can't just say to love God. You have to actually love God yourself. You can't just help people to understand the gospel. You actually have to understand it and, and love it and appreciate it yourself. Read the Bible with them. Pray with them and for them, right? They need to know how important it is to hear from God and talk to God. Make it a, a non-negotiable habit to, to obey God's command and go to church. Because even after you're gone as a father, there will be other spiritual fathers who can then come alongside them in the church. That's part of what God has built into the church. And so you can be assured that, that they will be taken care of in God's family. And we can take on that role. Not only will they be taken care of, but then they get to take that role on with other people as well. And so God intends for people to grow through the help of others. That's just that's called discipleship. That's what the church is about. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And we see that through spiritual fathers. It's not abstract. It's showing us what it means to be a Christian every day. And really, if you think about it, this is one of the great values of having older saints in the church, right? In our culture, there's not a lot of value placed on age, right? If you're younger, you can do more, you can get more accomplished. But in the Proverbs, we read just the opposite. We read that there's honor, there's, there's righteousness to be learned, there's wisdom to be learned from those who have lived, who have gray hairs, right? And so in the church, we see this great value placed on those who are older saints, that they know what it means to follow the Lord, and they can pass that example on to others. And so one of the reasons that God has not taken you to heaven yet, probably, if you're an older saint, is that you can still pass this on to others. You can still help them understand this wisdom that you've learned and what it means to follow the Lord throughout all of life. And that is a great value to the church. Spiritual fathers, they set this example. They're committed. But Paul says one more thing in this passage. He talks about the spiritual father in verse 14. He says that spiritual fathers admonish. And so he says in verse 14, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. That in itself is helpful. That admonishment is not shaming our kids. That's not how we, we teach them what is right and wrong. That's not how we warn them or rebuke them. That there's a difference and we can do what is good and right in warning and rebuking without shaming. But that's really what this word means, to admonish is to, to tell what is the right way and to warn what is the wrong way. And especially if they're going down the wrong path. Again, Proverbs teaches much about this. It talks about learning wisdom. We read it this morning. The father admonishing his son on the way he should go. Right? And that's closely related. If you think about it, admonishment's really closely related to the idea of giving counsel. So when you think about admonishing, you can think about giving counsel to someone. Just a slight side note. Uh, biblical counseling used to be called 
in uh, some circles, nuthetic counseling, and that word nutheo comes from the word to admonish, just this idea that the Bible gives us advice, it gives us counsel, and that's what we should be looking for in counseling, is what the Bible says, and that's what we should be doing as fathers. We should be giving that counsel of God to others. That's what a good counselor does, that's what a good father does. And really, if you just think about that idea of giving counsel, that's kind of, again, that's kind of contrary to the culture today. If you think about the counseling setting, counselors are trained not to give advice or counsel. They're trained to listen and ask good questions and, and guide that person to figure out the direction that they want to go and they think they need to go. But the Bible would lead us in a different direction. It says that's not God's idea of counseling. People need counsel because they don't know. And they need to hear what God says on an issue. And so when you think about broadening that out, not just in a counseling setting, but just in the culture in general, right? This same idea exists that the individual gets to set the direction that they want to go. And that what they say about themselves is right. They get to define who they're going to be and what they're going to do. But God says something else. He says the exact opposite, that as fathers, we need to admonish, we need to guide, give counsel according to what God says, because God has spoken about what our life should look like and what direction it should take. And he created us to walk according to that. And as we do that, then we, we experience the fullness of what life was meant to be, and we get that opportunity as fathers, as spiritual fathers, to give that counsel to not speak our own words, our own authority, but to, to pass on what our fathers and what their fathers and spiritual fathers have passed on and ultimately what God teaches us and has taught them in the word. That it's a God-given responsibility to admonish and to tell people what it means to follow God and when they're not following God. That's what Paul did in this letter. He admonished them when they thought in a worldly way. If you look at just the first four chapters, they, were, they had strife and division. That doesn't sound familiar at all to anything that we ever go through, right? He, he said, well, the reason you have this is because you're not thinking about it the right way. You're comparing, you're thinking about how to get ahead and who's the better teacher. And if you follow Paul versus Apollos because you like him more, then you're going to end up better and be better off than these other people, and then you end up looking down on people. Paul said, no, no, no. That's not how God thinks about things. I'm warning you. I'm admonishing you. I'm not trying to shame you, but I want to teach you that you need to think in God's mindset of us being equal before God and us serving God, and even these people that you look to as leaders, they're, they're actually serving you to help you grow more. And so it, in that instance, he's evening the playing field, so to speak. But that's just one example. You could read the whole book and read how Paul admonishes him in so many areas in the book, and that is our role as spiritual fathers. If you need a spiritual father, you're looking for one, look for someone who's willing to tell you when you do something wrong. Because that is, well, that shows love and commitment. If, if no one's ever willing to correct us when we go astray, then that's really not that helpful. But this is what Paul does. This is what he sets the example for us to, to remind us to think in spiritual ways, to remember what the Lord says. 
And so he reminds us, don't think about money, don't think about success, don't think about relationships in worldly terms and what success looks like according to the world. Think about it in terms of what God says. What does he say? And uh, I just have to point out that Paul does that in a very dad kind of way, right? He uses sarcasm to kind of point out how foolish they look. You might say he makes some, well, they're not exactly dad jokes, but they're kind of in that kind of same realm, right? It's just such a dad thing to do, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? He, he's teaching them, he's admonishing them in lots of different ways. It doesn't just have to look like one certain thing, but the point is he's getting that point across that this is what God wants you to do, and do you see how foolish and ridiculous it looks to live this other way? But this is what Paul's doing. He's taking them under their wing. He's teaching them what God wants them to do. And he's showing them this is how you follow God. Right? He's setting that example. He's committed to them. And he's admonishing them. And it's a reminder to us again that there just aren't many spiritual fathers. The commitment they have, the example they show, the admonishment they give, those are things that you can't get from the world because the world doesn't understand it. Those are things that you have to have people from the church, people who are Christians who know our Heavenly Father to be able to receive that. And if we know our Heavenly Father, then that's the thing that we need to do so that we can make sure that there are no spiritual orphans, so to speak, in the church, that we can be that spiritual father to others. God has shown us in his word how he works through good fathers here on earth, through spiritual fathers. And so on Father's Day, we're, we're thankful for fathers who have shown us that example. We're thankful for spiritual fathers. We, we even understand if this isn't something we had, that this is a good thing and we wish we would have it and would have had it, right? And we're we understand that this is what we need to be committed to. As men, this is what we need to, to seek after and to do what's right because God uses us in this way to, to help bring spiritual life and to help bring spiritual growth to those around us. This is God's good design for spiritual fathers. So let's pray this morning as we continue. Father God, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful that you are a heavenly father who has shown us what it means to be committed, who's shown us the perfect example of what it means to perfectly follow you when you sent Jesus to live a perfect life. We thank you that you have admonished us, you've shown us our sin, and you've shown us the way forward that we have to come and submit to you as our Lord and Savior first and foremost to be saved and then to receive the grace and strength to follow you because we can't do it on our own. We pray that that humility, that it's not of us, it's of you, that that would fill us as people, fill us as fathers, and that we would set that example for those who come after us and show what it means to humbly follow you.
that we would lead well, that we would set the example, that we would admonish people when they're not following you, and that we would be committed, not just teaching, but committed to people's lives and involved in their lives. We need more of this, and we pray that you would make us into those kind of people, and Lord, that you would bless families, bless spiritual children, that they would grow through this example. And we, we thank you for this, that you have done all this for 2,000 years so that we can see it and we can continue in this obedience to you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name.